Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of uh, Light Sim Weekly. I almost forgot what we're doing there. Got a very blurry Tom on the uh, webcam stream, but uh, let's just say we've had a few technical issues in the studio. My name's Agent Squash. On my right hand side, of course, as usual, it's the one the only, Jess Ripley. And joining Hello. us today, we have a very special guest. But we have Airbus for the win, Sam, going to be joining us, going to be talking about his journey from the flight sim to the flight deck. It's almost like a reverse of what we did with Katie. And I realised that as I was playing this, but yeah. We were also going to be talking about the new fly-by-wire updates, the new Tollis updates, lots of A320 updates this week. Uh, Aerosoft are previewing the Twin Otter, which uh, makes me very excited because I really like the Twin Otter. Innybuild previewed our A310, if I get the plane right. We're also going to be talking a bit about how much is too much for scenery. Without further ado, let's get to the bit you're waiting for. Let's let's see if my computer can handle three webcam streams at once. Sam, can you hear us? I can. He's, Hello. He is great Ooh. at the moment. It was sort of yeah. Out. The, the video will come through in a minute. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it looks good. There now. we are. Yeah. So, how are we doing on this fine Sunday? <laughs> Beautiful. So beautiful. Thanks for having me. It's fine. No, you for thanks coming for coming on. on. Yeah. So, uh, if you didn't know I already, guess... Sam has been around Flight Sim for donkey's years. I think it's fair to say. When did you first get started with it all? Gosh, uh, 2004, 2005? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. You guys were probably a little bit smaller than you are now. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. Just a bit. At least you were alive. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. But... So, yeah. <laughs> So what got you yeah. into flight sim in uh, all those years ago <laughs> when uh, me and Tom were the young spring chickens? <laughs> um, so when I was, I guess when I was about four or five, um, I had, uh, I think I'd gone on holiday at some point. And um, back in the day, this was like would have been in the mid 90s um, before 9-11. Um, obviously, you could go up in the flight deck, you go and see the pilots. Um, that was awesome. I think from the first time I ever did that, I was like, wow, I was just amazed by it all, even as a kid. Just growing up, I just never lost that. I was just like, yep. Yeah. Uh, I think I already knew what I wanted to do when I was five or six, you know, and just growing up, you know, as a kid, into my early teens, uh, obviously, you know, computers obviously came along um, a lot more. Obviously, you know, you had better simulators. I started off with like Flight Sim 2002, I think was my first. You thing. know what? I did too. Yeah. Interesting wow, trivia there. Yeah. Um, with the 7... Oh, was it the old 747 add-on? I think they had a default 747 in it, I didn't think it? There was, yeah, there was. Yeah. And then Mixed there was field. the Open Sky one later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the, all the joys of uh, Flight Sim 2004 and then FSX, which everyone hated when it first came out because it was... Nobody's PCs could run it. Um, it was so PCs still can't win unstable. It's modern-day equivalent, can they? Well... Depending on how good it is, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, it was quite funny though, because obviously you had to put up with so many kind of the, the add-on sort of market wasn't. It was there, but it wasn't perhaps as mature as it is now. I guess. Um, so you, I remember having to like merge things. You know, like I remember the like the POSC, do you remember it was Project Open Sky merging that with with um, like the Wilco or those sort of models pmdg has always been around for a long time so you know i grew up on the pmdg uh, sims but that was about it really well i was just thinking when you started in flight sit pmdg were making manuals 
Yeah. You've been yeah. around the entire time PMDG have been making planes, which is really... Planes. I'm make, yeah. I hope I'm not making you feel old here. No, no, definitely no, no. So, uh, Ancient. And, and then after that, you uh, start, you joined Vatsim uh, pretty early on as well, didn't you? Well, in... kind of. I'm old enough to have a six-digit CID, which is, like, exciting. That's the biggest flex in, in Flight Sim at the moment. <laughs> yeah, six-digit CID. <laughs> <laughs> so what, yeah. got, what got you onto that side of things? Uh, so I, I, I do, you know, I still, the really annoying thing is as well, like I was 16, well, I was 15, 16 when I joined Vatsim. Um, yeah. and I, I was really annoyed because I wish I'd have found it a couple of years earlier. Um, but I just don't know how I found it. I, I really don't know how I found it. I, I can't remember how I discovered Vatsim back in the day. It's really weird, but yeah, yeah. I just wanted to basically kind of make, I think I was probably looking for like something to do with AI. I wanted to kind of. I wanted to. Sort of, I was looking into like multiplayer and stuff like that, and then I think I must have discovered it. Yeah. I know some people found like they had, it was the old GameSpy servers, wasn't it? Yeah, before it moved, before Steam Edition and oh, GameSpy, yeah. those were yeah. the days. Honestly, yeah, I, f- I feel like even so, I'm old, fights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sort of started so. with the default ATC and that realized that was uh-huh. rubbish pretty quick. Watched some oh, videos on YouTube terrific. and then discovered that sim, and then I was like, I'm a bit scared of that, so I'll wait a minute and then. Get on, get onto it, and uh, never yeah. look back. I guess. So, because you used to be ethics RTSI, like it was back in lead um, mental. Oh, I've, 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 yeah, I've pootled around various different jobs in Vatsim UK. So I've done. Uh, what have I done? So I've done. I did ethics uh, RTSM. I think it was which was was I the RTSM? I can't remember now actually. There was a few people. Basically, I was the same year as Gunner. So the Vatsim president, me and Gunner, basically were, were kind of joined Vatsim almost at the same sort of time. So <laughs> nice. um, we used to control quite a bit together. Um, so I got to spend quite a bit of time with Gunner, who's an absolute ledge. But um, so that was cool. Uh, Gunner was RTSM as well from Essex. All the, see, all the, all, I would say all the best people come from Essex. But oh, you saying the entire <laughs> not sure about governance me. Not sure about me. The Vatsim <laughs> governance structure came from the Essex yeah. RTS. Exactly. That's where that's where all the magic happened. That's where, that's where it all came from. I was watching but, um, a clip yesterday actually where the Essex it's a chain Essex isn't as busy as it used to be, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It but it goes it goes and it goes and fits and starts, unfortunately. Um the airspace actually I, I find is really complicated actually and a lot of people kind of struggle with it a little bit. But um but it was uh, it was good fun. I did that I did that for a little bit and then I did mentoring. I got like three hundred hours on Stansted Tower, which Gosh. is like, but yeah, um, when did you last control day... Stansted? Oh, long time, long time ago. Yeah, I guess now yeah. you just control control London mainly. Yeah, well, I just you know, obviously over over the years, it, the annoying thing was because it took me ages to kind of get my S. Well, it was weird back in the day. You had an S one, then you had an S three, and then a C one, and you had to. I think I can't remember it, but it was something like you got your S1 automatically. You didn't have to do this OBS to S1 stuff and you get your S1 and then you had to be approved and signed off by a mentor to be able to use your voice on, on the, on the network. Oh, I was reading about that in Discord yeah. the other day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you had to have, so you had to be able to, you had to get signed off to use your voice and then you would then do an S3 exam, which was on tower. So you pass a tower exam, which would then get your S3 and you then have to train to then do your approach. It was, I don't really understand how it worked. And then your C one exam would basically be on on an approach position, but then that would allow you to control area. I, I, yeah, I and then you have to and do the mysteri- C3 exam mysterious C two. Well. No, 
Never heard. Nah, that was never used. I didn't. I never saw that used. It was just S1, yeah. S3, and C3. That's weird. I, I well, but, I remember when I, I, it is in Euroscope, but I wonder what it's there for. I guess it's yeah. one for uh, one to ask someone else. I think I saw someone logged on as a DT once upon a time in South Korea. <laughs> really? Not seen oh, it before, yeah. Not seen Must it have been a misclick. Yeah, it is one of those like things about Vatsim that you, uh, you never really understand, but you just know is there. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, That's good, yeah. If you didn't already know, and I don't think Sam will mind just talking about this, Sam does drive planes now and then, not just in the sim, but in the real Attempt world. Attempt to. Attempt to. How did <laughs> how did how did that sort of come about then? Because you said you were into it from an early age, but how, what got yeah. you actually started into actually getting into the whole real world flying? Yeah. So I started when I was 19. So slightly sad story. Basically, I lost my mum when I was 19 through um, through a, it was a short illness, basically, unfortunately. But um, she had basically like a life insurance policy with work, which allowed me to fund my flight flight training. Um, okay. So uh, I used basically that money to go to CTC, effectively, which is now known, I think, as L3 Harris. I think they're called now yeah but uh yeah back in the day they were known as ctc and um yeah went out to new zealand when i was about 19 so quite young um and yeah just went through the training spent a year in new zealand came back to the uk spent about four or five months i think and um yeah finished in sort of january february time 2008 11 i want to say yeah it was 2011 because it was just after like there was a financial downturn in 0809 yeah um and it was actually kind of a good time to start because generally uh, it obviously takes about two years roughly to kind of go through the whole training process mm. so by the time you're getting into 2011 and 12 kind of the world was kind of picking up a bit um and people were going to start to need pilots and actually in the end i had to wait about nine months maybe for a job um so it didn't actually work out too badly. And then I ended up doing a few months just working in some odd jobs just to kind of get me through. Um, but yeah, I got a job got a job off from EasyJet back in the day. And uh, that was out in Hamburg, wasn't it? Or was that fine? No, that was a that was a Gatwick to start with. So I was at Gatwick for a year, then I went to Luton for two years, <laughs> and then I went to Hamburg for another year. Which um, one was your favourite? Hamburg, without a doubt. Cool <laughs> Why place. Is that? Uh, just cool place. Well, I've always loved Germany, and it was just an amazing opportunity to yeah. go and live out there, go and work. You know out German? There. Ah, ambition. Oh. <laughs> if you watch some streams, honestly, the little, yeah. just little bits get to get dropped in now and then. Yeah. Any, well, any, any Germans visiting my stream will get a very, very warm, um, a, a very warm welcome uh, in German. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's, it's a nice opportunity to practice actually as well, which is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I learned at school. And I also learned whilst I was there, and um, it was just a cool place. If, if if you haven't been to if you haven't been to Germany or particularly in Hamburg, um, you've got to go. It's a really cool city. They've got like a, if, especially if you're a miniature railway fan as well, because they've got, oh yeah, they've got that really yeah. like it's like railway world. It's, it's miniature. Called it's called miniature Wonderland. And they have that mini airport yeah. as well, isn't that? Mm-hmm. No, as well. Yeah, yeah it's sort of semi based off uh, Hamburg Airport, but yeah, it's sort of called Knuffingen Airport. And um, they've kind of got little, like little airplane models that sort of fly in and fly off. They've kind of got like a little, um, oh, yeah. yeah. They've got like kind of like they sort of try and model like a part of the world. So they'll do like a bit of America. They'll be like you know sort of gem bits. 
It's pretty cool. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good. They um, want the yeah. they what firstly, what advice would you give to someone who wants to go into start that flight training? Because I guess at the moment we're in a similar state to what you had had coming yeah. in the financial yours. downturn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but I think this one's it's 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 slightly different though. Yeah. In the sense that you've got to obviously bear in mind that in the last in that last downturn, um nearly what it'll be woo, scary, twelve, thirteen years ago now. Um there were job redundancies, but the the scale of it from an aviation perspective wasn't so bad. It was a total shutdown. No, no, no. Whereas Corona is has absolutely decimated aviation. Um, it's nice to see America certainly bouncing back a little bit better than it is over here. In the yeah. sense, it's nice to see that it is bouncing back there. Um, but that doesn't really affect us because I can't get a job in America, so it's kind of irrelevant. Um, unfortunately, because of all the... generally tend to be less. Yeah. Supportive. Well, it's yeah. I mean, to be fair, you know, the government has done this sort of, um, you know, with the, the furlough scheme and stuff like that. So they certainly have been more supportive than some other countries have. Hmm. Um, but from an aviation perspective, it's hard because at the end of the day, if other countries aren't going to let us in, and if other countries have restrictions, then there's no point flying an empty plane of people. If the, you know, because you know, people aren't going to fly if um, the restrictions are still there. So at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. I think it's just supporting the companies. And the airlines until things open up a bit, which I think come the summer, I think things are starting to get a bit better. I am two-week good... testing yeah. window and self-isolation, yeah. I think, put a lot of people off. Yeah, for sure. I, for sure. I know last summer uh, we tried to get to Holland for uh, a week away, and we ended up self-isolating for two weeks mm-hmm. after because uh, they changed the rules. But honestly, nobody knows at the moment, and hopefully, the summer does make it better. Hopefully. Hopefully. But uh, yeah, as I said, um, in terms of like obviously looking at the industry um, and trying to assess like what's the right time and all this sort of stuff, you know, um, I remember the last downturn, uh, Balfour, which is the British Airline Pilots Association uh, and other pilot associations around the world, um, they weren't, you know, they weren't actively discouraging people from training. I don't think during the 0809 financial crisis, whereas now they're actually actively saying, look, don't train because you will be waiting potentially waiting um quite some time because don't forget as well there's there's hundreds of thousands of pilots who have been laid off um yeah so you know and they've got experience so airlines are going to take those guys back first because of course they're going to be easy to train and kind of get back up up and going uh, i know at my land for example there, there's a couple of hundred people who are waiting to, to come back flying to come back uh, sorry to come back to flying um before then recruiting on top of that so um you know <sighs> Realistically speaking, that's going to be at least be, I think, another two years. So if I w- if I was going to do this all over again, and I was a keen aspiring pilot, like I'm sure um, you know you guys are, or some of the people that are watching are, uh, I'd certainly say definitely maybe in a year's time, start in a year's time. But I probably wouldn't be going to do it now because I think you'd be waiting a while. What ideally what you want to do is kind of really kind of plan a two year training period uh, if you're going to go to CTC L3 uh, Oxford. Um, FT Hareth is meant to be a really good school as well um, and kind of come out as, as fresh as possible after your training kind of hopefully ideally into a, a flying job um, it's it's really hard though so unfortunately <laughs> with flying uh, at least with commercial flying it's it still very much is the preserve of the middle class so there are schemes out there or that hopefully there will be one day anyway uh, that you know airlines are going to come together and, and make these schemes where 
it will encourage people based on their merits, not necessarily just how much money they they have. Do you or think? Their do you think have. that's been? Do you think prior to COVID there was work being done on that already? A, li- a little, a little bit. So I know British Airways had like the FPP, the Future Pilot Program. Yeah. Which I know people have gone through that, and it has, it, you know, it enabled those people to get jobs, um, and to get into the seat of an, an airliner when they wouldn't have otherwise been able to have afforded the, you know, the hundred plus grand training costs for that. I think the cost um, of training just massively puts people off. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge risk. It's a huge risk. You know, that's. You know, hundred grand. You could buy a house in the north of England for that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's a house. Yeah. Hey, uh, I live in the north. So, <laughs> um, but that's that's a good thing. You know, it's a yeah. Living down south is very expensive. Very expensive. Um, but do you know what I mean? That's it's it's a real shame because there are lots of good people out there who would make amazing airline pilots, and they can't get into the industry because of how much it costs. Um, I, I'm, I was lucky. I, I'm a, I'm an outlier. I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't, you know, I don't wish <laughs> for my situation on anyone. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm in this situation and I, I am in the, in the position I am because of some unfortunate things that have happened. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not really a good example of, you know, who to follow and, and whatnot, but the people I trained with certainly, uh, were a mix of people. Basically, most of them had, um, funding, uh, and they had parents who remortgaged the houses or, or, uh, I know, I know people definitely yeah. with their remortgaging houses. Yeah, remortgaging houses, or, or having loans that secured onto their uh, their parents' mortgages <laughs> or their parents' houses. So, yeah, yeah. it's it, unfortunately it's not cheap, and you know those schemes I don't think are going to come back because of the economic situation for at least a couple of years, I reckon. Mm. So, what I would say yeah. is use the time wisely. Go and you know maybe go and. Um, you know, earn some money or do some training. You know, if you're at university, stay in university. You know, um, it might even be a good time to go to university. To be honest, if you're if you're sort of at the 18, 17, 18 mark, get a degree. You know, have a backup. That's my only problem. That's what I've been very nervous. I've been very lucky, very blessed to still keep on to my job, hold on to my job. But if I if I'd lost my job, I I you know at nineteen I didn't have anything to fall back on. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's the big risk going in, I guess. You've got the two-year training period. You're putting it on your parents' mortgage, and then in the end, you come out, and you're not even then sure if you're going to get employed. You're very, you're and very time certain time you're back. qualified for one job. So, yeah, and you got to pay yeah. it back. So, yeah, pretty bleak. Yeah, it is. It is. But I'm just that's the that's the realism of it. You know, I know like yeah. we're all you yeah. know we're all dreamers. You know, and it, and it don't get me wrong, it's an amazing job. I love my job to bits. It's awesome. And uh, definitely don't want to discourage anyone from doing it, but certainly just to go into it with their eyes opened and to, um, absolutely, yeah, you know, I, I'd hate for you know people to go bankrupt or you know to to have a really bad experience. Um, but yeah. uh, lock, sure. lockdown did bring us the Airbus for the Win Twitch channel. Second, sorry, lockdown did bring us your return to Twitch. Indeed, indeed. So before we talk about your return to Twitch. I, mean, I need to bring this up. Oh, Talk no. about your old time streaming, your streams on London back in the uh, day. You remember those? Yeah. Do you remember those? You really remember those? Oh man! I also remember. So, I also remember when you were introducing Obsess One. Oh grief! Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was, this was actually 2015. This is when I was in Hamburg. Yeah, yeah. So if you obviously five six years ago started on on Twitch as a, just a very small stream. Still, I'm a small stream, but yeah. Um, doing London Control. Um, 
we actually we were the I was the I was the original London not London controller but London control, <laughs> and um, me and my and my good friend Tom we we did some streams on that uh, which was quite good fun but we did I didn't really go anywhere that much I don't think it went anywhere that much. Is this Tom um, follow the greens Tom? Or follow it? the greens Tom exactly. Yeah, he? I was going to say. So, so he yeah. makes the return at the same time as well. He's also good yeah stuff. exactly. Um, so he's obviously doing really well as well, which is good to see and. Yeah, well, that was quite a good laugh. We we had a, quite a bit of a laugh doing that, and then I sort of did a spin-off, kind of just doing flights as well, because I thought I didn't want to use the joint account because we were both using that the, the, the streaming. Oh, the London account, Control the account. Control, okay, yeah, control, yeah. Mm. So we were both using that, um, and then I kind of did a spin-off because I wanted to do some stuff with flight simming. Um, okay. So, but as I said, yeah, I don't know if I'd have stuck with it. I mean, five six years ago, I mean, who knows where we'd be? I don't know. <laughs> That would be a, that would have been awesome. I could say you could have been yeah. a forerunner to London Controller on London Control. Ah, I don't and then think so. I'm not that exciting, but I, I think, <laughs> but I, I think at the same time, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I unfortunately just life took me in a different direction. Uh, I, I just didn't have the time for it at the time because I was moving back to the UK from Germany, and and I was you know I've moved all over the place in the last couple of years and. And that um, was about the time you ended up doing ATC training, like we were talking mm. about as well. The big yeah, job. yeah, so, uh, personal issues as well. So yeah, exactly. It's it's just lots going on, and I did ATC training director as well in the UK for a little while, which was fun. Brought about the um, sort of ended up bringing bringing about the what was the change that we brought about in the end? What was it called? CT. Central training. Central training. It was kind of a love child of um, Adam Archer. I'm sure you remember Adam. Oh yes. Um. So I worked with him before he resigned, um, before he sat down. And then I sort of just kind of carried on kind of this little project that we were kind of sort of developing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know whether it's made anything better or not. Effectively, well, we just, we kind of, we turn things from these little mini regionalized little areas into kind of like these massive pools. Um, the idea of pooling like mentors around, because a lot of the, t- the issue, the, the issues we were having was... Um, North RTS, yeah, Northern RTS yeah. was there. Uh, you'd have these bigger RTSs where they had lots of mentors, and you'd have like London of the Southwest, God bless them. Uh, we'd like have one or Essex, actually, which was struggling as well. Essex had like one or two mentors, um, and yeah. you'd have and you'd have it was very kind of patchy, and you'd have areas where people were just you know they were hammering out the trainees, and other places where just nothing was happening. So yeah. um, that's I part of the reason. Still to an it. extent, still to an extent happens, but it's kind of unavoidable when you've radar well, student, can't you? it's it's unavoidable when you've when you know yeah. they're just mentors and they're just doing it in their free time so um they'll yeah. they'll do what yeah. does it, do does it like, still, I guess. when you still see people on twitch come and say uh, how long will it take me to get my s1 you see many <laughs> of those oh it literally used to keep me off all night i swear the uh obster s1 it was it was it was a never-ending thing because you just you just have so many people like it was just a, a deluge you know it's yeah and it's I really hard alex, cause, like, i think alex beard used to just like yeah well it's like yeah. trying to do a job that you can just never finish yeah the, the harder you, you work the harder yeah. you have to work um you just you don't have enough people you don't have enough people you don't have enough mentors there's not enough time in the day basically to try and cover everyone and try and give everyone the training that they want to do so it's just um yeah as it vats him and in terms of the amount of people that have come on the network in the last five years it's just gone yeah it's insane Crazy. and even in the last year the seeing the cids go up so quickly i guess partly thanks to the new the new sim and uh 
possibly like P3DV5, X-Plane 11, replacing X-Plane 10. Massive um, explosion, which is good to see because yeah. from a pilot's perspective, at least, means more ATC mostly. Um, more people are training, more people mentoring, and things are scaling up. For sure. But I, I mean, think sometimes, yeah. It's a lot more designed to be scaled up. Sorry, no, this is the thing with Discord calls, isn't it? Yeah. We, it is designed uh, to be scaled up. I should say, before we went live, my computer decided to have an absolute fit and just turned off three times in 10 minutes. And I was just like, yay, this is fun. <laughs> well, it's working so far, so we're... Uh... Touch wood. Touch wood. Touch yeah. wood, it's going well. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so London Controls back in the day, mm-hmm. and then Airbus for the win became the spin-off. Yeah, so I created the account when I was um, actually, do, do, the name came about actually, it was a bit of banter against Gary Oliver, who's, uh, some of you might know, uh, Simfest, through Simfest yeah. UK. Um, so I was on the Simfest team a few years back. Um, we were doing one of the, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, we were doing obviously the, the Simfest, you know, the World Flight Week. World Flight, yeah. Um, and I I needed, I don't know, I, cre- I was creating a new Twitch account. This was obviously a few years ago anyway, but I was, cre- I was, I was needing a new account. And obviously, as a, for a bit of banter, I thought, oh, do you know what? You know, obviously, because it's Boeing at 747 and all this sort of stuff, I thought, ah, we could, we could put two fingers up to the, uh, to, the, to the 747 and I was sort of like, yeah, Airbus for the win. Uh, so that's where it came about, basically. How did you enjoy um, just, being on the Simfest team? I should just probably throw in. Cause, uh, oh, yeah, it was amazing. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Very tiring. Work as well. Very tiring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just amazing. Like The amount of money they raise as well, it's so, so good. Um, and Gary and the, and the team do a really good job of, um, you know, getting everything sorted and ready and, you know, having a good time as well. You know, it's important that it's important that the team has a good good time as well as everyone else that's watching. Because obviously, if if the team are having a good time, then they, that's going to roll over. People are going to enjoy watching if the people they're they're watching are yeah. having a laugh as well. Exactly. It was so, it, um, for them yeah. this year. I know they were say Fraser was saying after this, it was a really even more than usual, really stressful year. Yeah. With, uh, the fact they didn't have nearly as big a crew. Mm-hmm. And would you want to do well, it again? It's tiring. It's tiring streaming for that long if you've got few, you know, so few, well, fewer than normal people. You have to stay up for so long. You guys have both done, you know, 20 plus hour streams now, and you know how not easy. I like how you say now. Like that was just an endurance challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's not not easy for them. So it's a lot of credit. It's it's funny actually. The second time around, I was dreading it because I I, obviously done one already and I thought, wow, this is going to be hard. but the second time around, it, it was tricky. But I think when I got to the last four hours, I kind of got this like second wind, and I was like, "Wow!" It, it was kind of, yeah. We had, it was quite, it was quite good fun actually towards the end of it. Did you get to take but... part in a booze cruise? That is the ultimate question. <laughs> what the frothy coffee? Oh yes. I don't know what you're talking about. No comment. <laughs> you know, I just, I just. I got really annoyed. Uh, obviously, there was no booze cruise this year because of COVID. Yeah. But the mm-hmm. but the year before, there were two booze cruises, and I managed to have things over both of them, and it was just very sad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think next year, next year should be uh, well. This year, twenty twenty one, hopefully, should be uh, much better. Easier. Yeah, I hope so. 
we do have a couple of questions. Um, if you're watching live and you want to ask a question, there should be a link in the chat or flightsandweekly.com forward slash ask. Um, mainly about the real world. Um, the first question is, what's your favorite aircraft you've flown? I'm assuming that's in the real world, but oh. I guess you give an answer for both. Or maybe they're the same. <laughs> oh, maybe. My favorite aircraft, well, I've only ever flown 320, so I've been on 320 for <laughs> nearly a decade now. So I yeah. guess it's the 320. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, name gives it away, I guess. Out of the series, though, uh, out of all the different series, I guess the 321 is probably my favorite because it just feels like I'm flying a slightly bigger piece of tin, and it's yeah, kind of yeah, it's it's more just feels more stable. It rides through the turbulence a bit better. So um, yeah. that being said, the 319 is also nice as well because you're not so worried about banging the tail in because again, slightly shorter, a bit got more a lot nimble. more reserve power as well, haven't you? On the 319. You don't really tend to notice that too much, to be honest with you. It's more really an issue of because uh, the three twenty one equally. If you if you're not that heavy, that thing can go. That thing can really rock it up um, as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, so three twenty one is nice. Obviously, the neos and the the new stuff as well is also nice. Three twenty one, three twenty neos also pretty nice um, to fly because they're kind of brand new and you know it's like it's like basically driving a new car or something like that. It's that kind of idea. I saw um, they. I saw they've now started, yeah. uh, and this is the thing I found interesting. Aren't they? I was, uh, I think one airline now has uh, the A three eighty ACP. Yeah, their, yeah, yeah. The the new audio control panel where you yeah. can dial the frequencies in and adjust yeah, it. from the three eighty RMP. Yeah. And would you uh, ever considering? Oh, sorry, I'll ask after. Sorry, no, go on, go on, Tom. I was going to say because you were saying about the three twenty one, you like it for the for the bigger size. Uh, don't we all? Um, would you consider Wait. flying <laughs> consider flying a, a larger Airbus if you got the opportunity? Or oh, larger sure. Boeing, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I would like to ideally fly something a little bit bigger as well in the future. Yeah. So um, so maybe the 350, I think, is probably going to be the future. Um, yeah. Maybe 380? I d I d I'm not sure yet, but I well, um, don't know if there's much future in the 380. Unfortunately, it's yeah. very vulnerable to issues uh financial issues in that respect um almost every airline around the world's retired them apart from i think emirates and ba and a couple yeah. of other ones as well so i think Qantas bring them emirates? all back Qantas as well well yeah oh yeah i think of... yeah Qantas are bringing them back as well aren't they yeah yeah they seem to be, keep changing their mind because it's not cheap to store these aircraft so you've got to kind of make a decision with them but then getting rid of them is not cheap either because you got to buy something to replace them with i guess that's the problem that emirates have if they get rid of all their a380s they've got to mm. they got to buy some more triple sevens or well, or a3 or some new airbus well, i don't know about the triple seven because even etihad is actually etihad are retiring their triple seven three hundreds it's like i thought they were pretty pretty efficient and whatnot but etihad are retiring the triple seven three hundred they're not even that old yeah crazy i, I was just like i couldn't believe that yeah and i guess yeah. with um i'll tell you what plane i think's sweet spot the 300 sorry, the 350 at 1,000. 1,000, yeah. It's, it's such a nice plane. I think I've, from a passenger experience, I've heard it's good, but I think from a cabin crew perspective, they hate it because, well, depending on how the galleys are laid out, but it's not a very crew-friendly airplane, I've heard. Um, the airlines getting the race out of their space on the new Yes, planes. exactly. I think that's, that is part of it. That I think that's one thing about the flight deck because the airline can't really cram that in because it's mm. there. Um, but there is, and that's the thing, you know, often people, people have these sort of romantic ideas of airlines, but ultimately, you know, airlines have kind of, they're sort of effectively run by accountants who 
um, kind of have these like kind of algorithms basically say, look, you can squeeze more people in if you do this, this, and this. And it's like, oh, well, the, well, the cabin crew won't have some space, but they, that doesn't really factor into their. It, it's just yeah. interesting. Different airlines sort of just run on different mentalities and, and yeah. the way that they sort of, um, the way that they order the planes, the way that they configure them as well is all is all done slightly differently. So yeah, and it's a game yeah. of very fine margins as well. Mm, so exactly, can't do can't do too much about it. Um, yeah, they're definitely um, yeah, yeah. Airlines are definitely not very philanthropic, you know, in that respect. They're uh, yeah, they're not in that for the charity. They're they're in it to make money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, what is your least favorite quirk or thing? So it's we've got all the bug in the question, but I don't think real life planes have bugs in the sense of a sim aircraft. What's the least favorite quirk of the real life Airbus? It's my least favorite quirk. Yeah. Oh. That's a good question. Uh, see, I think I've, I've flown so lit, so so seldom this year. Um, it's just I've hardly had to interact with the plane at all. So <laughs> I think my airline at the moment, the airline that I fly for anyway at the moment, we tend to leave the aircraft um, powered overnight on the ground power, so we don't turn it like completely off. But when I was at EasyJet. Um, we always used to do cold and dark and when you start the airbus up um from cold and dark on a very cold morning it doesn't like waking up basically and getting out of bed and so often there'll be a lot of like maybe computer resets you have to do so for example like you might have to reset the flight directors for example yeah um you know there'll be certain other things that you have to like pull circuit breakers via the courage course you don't just pull don't just pull them, you know, go, ah, yeah, we'll just pull the circuit breaker, Charlie, four or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, via the curates, you know, and uh, in, in a structured way. But, you know, that sort of that sort of idea. Because um, normally what would happen is, you know, you have very minimal time in the morning uh, to kind of get the airplane started and, you know, to get ready. And and that can take, you know, five, ten minutes. And that's quite a lot of time when you, you have only about half an hour to kind of get the airplane ready um, before pushback. And you've got to do a brief, you know, and get the paperwork sorted out. So it's a bit of a pain. And you're a fan of the early mornings, or no, not no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I yeah. pointless asking that, I guess. Um, I, what's I, your I, ideal um, time of departure? <laughs> well, I see. So I like I like late, basically. So anything checking in at like eleven o'clock midday, something like that, is really nice. Um, yeah. Oh, hold on, I just need to get the cat. The cat on, off. <laughs> My cat's basically going for a little uh, adventurous. Adventure across the desk. She's going adventure across the desk. Yeah, naughty. Um, but anyway, sorry. But uh, but yeah. If, oh, again, yeah, a flight sim weekly exclusive, folks. I know. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if I get. Where is she? I don't know. I could probably go and get her, but she's probably going to go and she's probably going to run off, isn't she? Hello. Got got ta. There we go. So look, if you are just on. tuning in to Flying Sim Weekly on live show, obviously, do feel free to ask your question at flyingsimweekly.com for a slash ask. Um, joining us in the flight deck. This is Bella. <laughs> Bella is such a cutie. So, she is gorgeous, isn't she? She's a good girl, isn't she? Oh, she's lovely. Anyway, she, she, only, she only tolerates it for a little while and then she's like, no, I want my freedom again. <laughs> Someone just said um, in chat, uh, my, uh, my cat destroyed my monitor, my old monitor. And oh, which is old, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just like, oh yeah. I don't know. I was yeah, like, very no, upset I, I was... when I wake up in the morning. Wow, I'd but, never heard about that. I don't let them alone too too much in the office anyway, without supervision, because I I don't trust them too much. I didn't need a cat to destroy my monitor. I managed to destroy my my uh, old one myself. 
Oh, really? it was, uh, <laughs> it's down to a fidget spinner. Oh, but, no. No. <laughs> yeah, I was actually revising. I was going through the uh, the S1 Moodle at the time and uh, fidget spinnering away and uh, right, wasn't right, holding that. on quite as... Sam was working on that. Yeah. What wasn't was holding say? on tight enough. What was Sam wrote the, uh, uh, S1, the Moodle. S1 Moodle. Oh, uh, a little bit. I don't, it's all it's all a blur now. To be fair, it's all a blur. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, so. A long time ago, if they're still using that, that's amazing. I don't know. It's a, it's quite sweet to see people still using some of the stuff that I've uh, kind of maybe. I think it's changed, but like I think we're still course builders on it. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. I I was I I worked on that yeah. as well. I mean, it shouldn't really. There isn't a huge amount that's going to change. Maybe a bit of RT differences, but yeah. No, I definitely I enjoy the ATC yeah. side of things. I do. I don't control London as much as I should, but I just don't have enough time at the moment between streaming and real life. What's your favourite so. sector to control? Oh, there we go. That's a good question. So I did my C one on South. South's good fun. It's the one I know the best. Uh, again, the annoying thing is though, it's keeping up with the changes because the airspace has changed quite a lot recently, and all yeah. the sectors and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, even now, if I went back on, I'd have to have a little review of the standing agreements, you know, like the different levels. Health is massive sectors. now. Yeah. That's so, one of the things. Yeah, so I'd say South, actually. South is probably my favourite. TC South as well, any of the TC sectors. Quite enjoy doing, like, low-level kind of, you know, the nitty-gritty. I quite like doing, like, you know, streaming airplanes, you know, climbing, descending, and then kind of putting them back on routes. Quite good fun. Quite enjoy doing that. TC is. TC, yeah. I, well, I'm training on London... AC Central at the moment mm. and uh, TC North. Oh, that's all I will say. Yeah, it's so Central is really hard. It's a it's a hard sector. Well, it's, it's so busy. They've made it small now, so it's just Daventry and Clacton. You don't have London Upper stuff. Mm. So London Upper is just like the bit that sort of covers the capital. Yeah, yeah. It's a, well, it is above TC Capital. There's a lot of intricacies in that area. You can un- you can understand why pilots are like see all these different London sectors online going ha uh, who do I speak to <laughs> you know it's, yeah it's yeah uh, like it's like the 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 extra sectors is good for when it gets busy because you need that that management when you really clacks. hard from a it's really hard from a VATSA management perspective with pilots because pilots going to go like okay there's ten Londoners online who do I speak to when you've got yeah. Clacton, 12, 13, 14 split you've got mm-hmm. TCE split for an yeah. Amsterdam event or yeah. I mean, no. I'm the person I, when whenever I get like handed off to London, at least back uh, when I didn't like know the frequencies now, I sort of know them a bit. Um, mm. I do this in other countries. They like say, you know, contact London Control one three two decimal six, and I'm not really listening to the frequency, so I always just have V pilot up on the left. I say, uh-huh. contact London one three, and then I'm looking. There's like four London sectors, you know, and I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is <laughs> that one mess- of the things yeah. you miss not being able to do in the real world? Yeah, well, well, yeah, no, but well, because we've got because we've got CPDLC um, in a lot of uh, space now in Europe, it's actually awesome. It means you can actually just see the frequency. It's actually like VPilot, where somebody gives you a text hand a, alias handoff. You know, dot ho yeah. is my one. Dot ho, uh, dot handoff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, it's quite handy. But uh, yeah, sometimes we miss it in the real world. You know, like a lot of the time people sort of think, oh yeah, in the real world, pilot's probably perfect and we get it right every time. No, not at all. You know, we miss, we miss a lot of the time often when I'm flying with, um, flying with someone who I'm having a really good you know, day out with, I'm having a laugh and stuff like that. Sometimes we could get a little bit distracted and we might miss our call sign. So yeah. Yeah. You know, you do try Are there any out, sectors but... that get particularly irritated when you're not listening? I guess the lower you go, but. 
well, any of them, to be fair. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think when we come to London, we tend to focus uh, because London is generally quite busy. Yeah. Um, and I find if we're ever like in places like Italy, for example, sometimes it can be quite um, quite busy. And when we get to towards sort of uh, the lower airspace in Italy, it can be quite interesting. Um, France, you have to be pay quite attention because um, if there's a lot of Air France around, obviously they they communicate in French. So sometimes, in some ways, it's easier actually in France because if they're speaking English, the chances are they might be speaking to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, it, if uh, yeah. it's French yeah. and you don't understand it, you can just tune it out and just yeah. But, but the the only reason I don't like that though, not that I you know, I'm sure French people are like yeah, we are France, we are French, haha, we can speak French. It's like, yeah. yeah, fair enough. However, from a flight safety perspective, it means that the other pilots can't really hear what's going on. So for example, poor example, um, sorry. <laughs> so for example, if you're like at Charles de Gaulle and uh, I'm taxing out and let's say I'm in an EasyJet A320 speaking English, um, you know, for example, ATC and you've got, you know, this Air France is coming up on the left. Um, obviously, ATC hasn't said anything to us about who's first. They might say, you know, to the Air France, you're first, but in French, but they haven't said anything to us. So how do we know who's going first? If well, I know sense? I know someone yeah. who used to be based at Charles de Gaulle and Simon's yeah. like, I know, and that person did not like all the French being spoken. So as I don't have, don't have an issue against French, it's a beautiful language, a lovely country, but uh, just um, flight safety. There, there are other examples from a flight safety perspective. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, sure. Um, it's I remember bit, like the briefing, yeah. lots of pilots like to do the briefing from, in French from Paris. Even at yeah. airlines like EasyJet, yeah. Um, but it's um, yeah. As I said, I think it's uh, it's all part of the fun. I think you know it, it's not a perfect world, even in the aviation in the in the real world aviation world. So uh, it's quite funny sometimes when you see some similarities on Vatsim from the real world. Yeah, Vatsim is definitely still a long way to go to the real thing. It's never going to be perfectly real because it's you know it's a, a network of volunteers and, and hobbyists. Um, they let me on places. Come on. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> and me, I'm terrible, and I'm terrible. But uh, you know, like sometimes there are there are some similarities. You'd be quite surprised. Yeah, I mean, I was. Um, yeah. I think it was flight deck to sim. I was watching a YouTube video of him a couple of years back when he was first trying out that sim. He was mm. getting on it and saying how he he didn't know really anything about that sim, and he was really impressed with how he just calls up using the exact same phraseology he uses in the real world, or whatever, and it's actually there so i mean and then, it's... And then right after you've got to set, go, respond to someone saying easy one two three quest request yes. ifr clearance to heathrow yeah <laughs> i think that's one of the things about that it definitely keeps you on your toes yeah mm. anyway talking about flying different airlines so uh -huh. airbus for the win started off properly about last year yeah, so we've literally just uh, celebrated uh, yeah, nearly a year of streaming. Me and KP were um, Katie Pilot, Katie Pilot. Uh, yeah, we've just we all pretty much started within about a week. All of, each of other. us, all of us started because I started yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So it was. It's been a great. It's been a really good learning experience for myself. I think hopefully other people have learned from stream. Absolutely. Uh, that's been my main kind of thing. Really, is like just just sharing a little bit of real world experience, like not like pragmatic experience stuff like that. You know. Um, people can learn from. There's lots of really good content on Twitch at the moment. If you're if you're a kind of aspiring wannabe pilot or um, somebody who just wants to basically make their or wants to be as realistic as possible when it comes to an airline flying, uh, A320 flying, um, there's never been a better, a better time to get information. 
You know, the when RJ I was as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, CRJ. Uh 737 now as well. There's there's loads, you know, even light aircraft as well. Um there's there's so many good streamers out there who um you know are sharing their in you know their expertise and their insight. Uh and it's really it's really helpful. It's I think it's really helpful. Um, yeah. I wish I it's wish just... where were they where were they when I was a teenager and <laughs> wanted, <laughs> needed all this information, you know. It's like I just remember as a teenager trying to trying to fly my, my desk sim and it just I just had no idea what I was doing. I was like, you know, trying to get the blooming PMDG seven three seven engines to start as well. <laughs> took me an absolute age. I was like, you know, turning the ah, oh, I turned the packs off. Ah, oh, okay. And all sorts of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um a few more questions. Um mm-hmm. describe yeah. your worst flying experience in the real world. Yeah, I can, actually, I, I, I can, I can. So the worst experience so far, I'd say, was um, we were going over France. Ha! <laughs> lovely, lovely place. No, it was it was just coincidental. I love France, by the way. Just uh, lots of love to France. But um, yeah, we got were, an, we, we've got an email from you. <laughs> no, France no, no. France for the win. Exactly. Uh, we, yeah, we were um, flying of the Alps, actually, and the really, really bad turbulence, basically. And it was the worst turbulence I've ever experienced. Um, and it was so bad, actually, that we were really struggling to maintain altitude. Um, thankfully, uh, we managed to get the belts on and, um, you know, people managed to get sat down and, you know, strapped yeah. in. So, so nobody was injured or anything like that. You know, that was fine. But it was just a very, very uncomfortable situation. I think one of the things you, as a pilot, you you pride yourselves on is is trying to give the passengers or the people in the back a smooth ride well for everyone everyone you know we all we just want a nice smooth ride a smooth flight you know and avoid the weather avoid the bumps all that sort of stuff and so it felt really disappointing you know to have that experience you don't want to traumatize anyone in the back because <laughs> you know that there are people who are going to be slightly nervous um, yeah so most of the passengers are probably all right about it but there, there'll always be a few people and you don't want to traumatize those people anymore so, so that was a bit of um. I've yeah. got to remember. I've got to admit, when I first flew, and I've been mm. interested in flying something for years, but I, I was nervous on my first real flight. Really? Who yeah. wouldn't be? Well, yeah. I mean, well, I think the thing about something is you know a bit more about what can go wrong. I get. I guess so, but actually, there's so much redundancy built into modern mm. airliners now that really, it, it's it is relative. It is pretty damn safe. Mm. Yeah. Know? I think I mean, everyone everyone really knows that it's the you know safest way to travel or whatever, maybe bar trains or whatever. But I think it uh, is officially what, the safest. Is but mechanic- it? Well, yeah, yeah, mechanically, yeah, but also, but but also uh, the way that they they do their um, training as well. So um, a lot of the time, a lot of it's to do with the training as well. The, the people in the front who are driving the thing, um, yeah, that makes a big difference as well. So a lot of um, it's it's interesting. Even the last ten years of of uh, flying for myself, I've noticed a difference in the way that they train us. Mm. There's a lot more emphasis yeah. now on uh, CRM. I'm sure you guys know um, what CRM is: Crew Resource Management. Yeah, yeah. Um, they do full full modules and mm-hmm. everything on it. But and that's a slightly different thing with airline flying versus sim flying. Is that as a as a flight simmer, um, it's just you just you you're the captain you're doing everything you do everything you do the radios you know on 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 that sim as well um you do everything you make all the decisions whereas 
when you and and actually when you're doing your early flight training as well that's that's pretty much the same mentality you know you're the captain you're the pilot command Hmm. you make all the decisions but when you then transition on to flying an airliner actually it's a two cooperation and you have to share things and ultimately the captain's in in charge but um, a good captain always makes good use of their crew they always listen you know they always facilitate people to be able to speak up and intervene yeah Um, so so crew, crew resource management or non-technical skills, as they're also called, is all about encouraging people to say, look, oh, look there's something wrong. And um, yeah, as I said, the best best crew in the world, basically people who've got really good CRM. Um, sure. So in the sim, do you find yourself yeah. with your hands full, you know, yeah. coming from an airline? Yeah. Well, actually, what I do is I, I, I sort of, <laughs> I kind of do have like a split personality thing. Where I like I do my PF roles and then I then pretend to be the pilot monitoring, so it keeps yeah. the two because um, we have like flows. So we like you know so you do like for example like after start you do like engine mode select to normal, um, AP bleed off, APU off, and then I then go and pretend to be the pilot monitoring and then do like the ground spoilers, rudder, you sure. know, zero the rudder trim, mm-hmm. do the flaps, etc. That way I don't. It's good for me from a training perspective, so I don't forget how to do the real thing when I go to work. Yeah. So yeah. That's how I sort of. That's how I do it. Um, I don't know. And maybe that's helpful for people as well you know, to learn. Yeah. Do you find do... that flying in the sim helps you keep a lot of your real world like in your mind still? Yeah, 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 definitely. It's been great. It's been great. Yeah, I've told some, you know, some of my colleagues that I've flown with uh, this last year. You know, I've just said, look, because I think it's just really helped. You know, we have had recency sims as well, but mm. it's certainly prevented me from being less rusty than. A lot of the guys I've I've flown with, for sure, really helpful, really helpful. Um, but obviously, you know, obviously the FS, obviously I, I fly using the FS Labs. People that watch me know that. Um, they'll know how much I love it <laughs> and the various foibles that I've had with it. But uh, it, to be honest with you, for as, as a real pilot, it's pretty damn good. It's been really helpful. Uh, for, yeah. For Kim Current. We are. Um, and what would you say has been your favourite moment streaming? That you don't think you could have in the real world. Well, I'm sure there are many, but many. Well, it's certainly nice to be and have a have a beer or have a few drinks uh, whilst relaxing and, and chilling out and having a bit of laugh. I just remember when you were singing. I think it was um, was it Bangkok? Uh, great... No, it's Greatest Showman. I think Greatest Showman. Yeah, having yeah. a laugh, doing some. Uh, yeah, I like I like to have a bit of a laugh. I like to have a have a little chuckle because you can't do that in the real thing. But um, yeah. And the frequent yeah. flyers can't request to go around. This is true. I've got an amazing amount of go around practice this year. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so ready when you get when you get properly back how, to work. How, how many more go arounds do you think you've done in the sim compared to how how many you do in the real? <laughs> too many, too many. I think on average, generally, most pilots will tend to average out about one a year. Generally, I, I've, so, I've some. If you've been really unlucky, you might have a few, but generally, about one a year tends to be. So do you remember how many you've done, roughly? What the real thing? Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Do you have any exciting go around or you know interesting ones? Have you had any? I don't know. I've had particularly um, notable ones. Yeah, we had a we had a wind shear we had a wind shear go around in Keflavik because we suddenly had a massive. We were like, it wasn't that exciting. We were about five six hundred feet and just the aircraft sort of kind of sunk basically, and we're like, oh. And then we we you felt it, and you're like, oh no, it's going to say, isn't it? Wind shear, wind shear. I was like, oh great. Did a wind shear toga, so we did a go around there. Um, so that was 
pretty exciting then came back around landed fine um a couple of times flying into some of the london airports where um the aircraft didn't get off the runway in time that was like oh great here we go yeah <laughs> makes, <laughs> makes you feel like you're flying on vatsim i guess yeah 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 does it make you irritated when you see planes and vats and go around when there's plenty of room to get down? Well, the thing is, a lot, of, a lot. Of, this is the thing, actually. A lot of controllers don't really. I'm not saying this to you guys, but a lot of controllers who perhaps haven't got necessarily that real world perspective. Hmm. And that's not meant to be patronising in any in any yeah. way. Yeah. But it's it's a lot of times people say people will go around and they're like, oh, you know, why did you go around? And and controllers will think, oh, that was my fault, or you know, why did they go around? It was it was great. It was looking great. And a lot of the time, you know, you might not be able to see what's going on in their cockpit, but the chances are, you know, they, for whatever reason, you know, they might not be stable. Uh, most airlines have a thousand feet stability criteria where you need to have your flaps uh, in the right, you know, your flaps uh, in your landing position. So in the Airbus, either three or full, um, you know, your speed needs to be at the approach speed. So it'll be about 130 knots, roughly. Um, that must and, be so tight with yeah. the 160 to four as well, a lot of airports. It can be, but again, different airlines slightly slightly change on that. So most airlines are a thousand feet, but it, some of them are a thousand feet above the ground. Some some are a thousand feet above the aerodrome level, and so it's, it depends on whether it's based on the barrow barometric altimeter or the rad alt yeah. radio altimeter. So my airline we use the radio altimeter, so it can be. We always have to think a little bit about where is that one thousand feet going to be. We have to look mm. at the terrain around the approach and go, hmm, it could be a bit earlier, it could be later. If it's going to be earlier, then we're going to be like, okay, well, we can figure a bit earlier so make sure we are definitely stable. Mm-hmm. Other places um, can be a bit later. For example, like Leeds, uh, Leeds, Bradford, Ro- yeah, the, what is it, the Rose hill, of Yorkshire International Airport. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah well, it's my finest time in Vatsum UK has always been having that Gary Oliver winning that competition. Competition, for oh. sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. So you get a bit more time with Leeds. Yeah, you do exactly. Yeah, because obviously Leeds is on a hill, and obviously then there's a kind of like a weird sort of valley because like a dip before the runway. So the thousand feet basically comes really, really late. Ultimately, I think it's yeah. very weird. But Even you definitely it's not have to actually think about thousand it, feet. But does yeah. it ever throw yeah. you off when the radio altimeter is not kind of going at the rate you would ex? Well, I guess at Leeds you would expect it to be going yeah. a bit all over the place. But is it ever weird when you, especially with Leeds, I don't know if the runway bumps make it any? But well, it's not many. It's only many feet but no, is one it, of the, does it ever one, yeah, yeah. One, of, one of the places it's probably particularly noticeable is Mykonos so if you ever fancy loading up in the sim and give Mykonos a go again I don't think it's not simulated perfectly yeah but um, and I've never landed in Mykonos as well because it's captains only and I've only ever been there as an FO um but I tell you what, whenever I've been in there I'm like I'm I'm not sad about that at all. <laughs> Going to Mykonos I'm like good luck captain not that- <laughs> Good luck, Mick. <laughs> Whatever you know, like yeah. good luck, mate. It's just because, uh, effectively, it's a narrow runway to an upslope. It's kind of like a sort of kind of pointy sort of shape, basically. The threshold, the runway finds you rather than you landing on it, basically. Yeah. Um, and so it's like the first time it was like 50, 30. I think it missed 40 completely. This is the easy joke where they have the 40 call out. It's like 50, 30, 20. It was like, whoa, smash. Yeah. Very, it very. Like it's coming to yeah. you very quickly. Sure. I guess sort of on that, what's your kind of yeah. either favourite or most challenging approach that you, you've done in the real world or just, you know, which airports you, you like or don't like? Ooh. Uh, my most, I think the most uh, coolest experience, I think, so far is as a captain sitting in the left-hand seat flying into Gibraltar, doing a landing in yeah. Gibraltar. It's an iconic place. 
the runway is tiny <laughs> tiny yeah. tiny tiny and it's just such a cool really sort of quirky place to you know uh to land so that that was pretty awesome salzburg is also pretty pretty um awesome um yeah, yeah. gotta love a bit of salzburg absolutely um, yeah i still haven't flown to salzburg maybe Sorry. not i, I no, should I'm... give it a go it's awesome yeah I, need it's to get, um, I think it might. I think it might be on sale at the moment. Um, it's good so it's scenery, digital, yeah. digital design. I want to say. I'm gonna check I, think it's yeah. on, I think it's. I think it's on Allbex, and it's they have a partner sale on at the moment. So um, Ooh, I'm gonna love, check that. Right love, now. love digital design. Any, I will buy any scenery they make. It's just yeah, amazing. Absolutely, they, make, yeah. They, make, they make great stuff. Yeah. So that's awesome as well. We've talked about your love of Yefeslan. Oh no. Uh, but Tollis. <laughs> <laughs> or updating their A319 and A320. They're continuing on their A340. Mm. But they're adding they're adding engine out performance support, custom waypoints, bleed system upgrades, and they're also adding takeoff performance packs. So I know you fly X-Plane as well. Mm-hmm. And oh, regrettably. <laughs> Not a fan. Regret- why like regrettably? Go on, I'm intrigued. Well, oh, do you know what it was? Do you know what I would not have tried to explain if it wasn't for streaming? A lot, I, I discovered a lot of people that watch me. Not a lot of people, but quite a few people who do watch me do use explain, and they were like, "Oh, you should give it a go. You should give it a go." And I'm like, "Oh." So I eventually sort of capitulate. I don't know about seven, eight months ago, and I was like, <laughs> "Fine, I'm installing it in anger." Um, so I installed it, and bizarrely i've kind of semi fallen in love with it like there are there it's quirky there are a few features i don't like um but my there favorite are feature yeah. is the yeah. uh, engine cutout being uh, the same as the um flat footing in p3d yes that's that, I learned, that i learned on a stream twice <laughs> well i went through yeah. and changed all of my uh key commands in x-plane so that they were the same as p3d yeah so, really same great that yeah Big, big, big mistake to make. It's hard. You dump but, thousands of hour on uh, FS two thousand two, two thousand four, FSX, P three D, all the versions. Built up all the muscle memory, all the key binds, all the kind of uh-huh. ways of navigating the menus, and then explain completely. Uh, oh, different oh. story. <laughs> it, it took a bit getting used to, but we're we're, get, we're getting there. I'm I'm fairly comfortable with the sim now. I've had a lot of help from yeah. Uh, some people in the community have been really awesome um shout out to jay as well one of my moderators who did a lovely job of getting me sorted up in next plane um in the beginning yeah uh, i i could, yeah. should just take this opportunity to ask tom when's the explain mm. stream happening uh soon let's say um i don't know why yeah, Tom's i really i owe the world the next plane stream because i i, I made a bet that the fs lab sharklets would be out by now but Unfortunately, that's not the case. As much oh, no. as I wish it was, um, I'm no, sure you can't say. I'm sure you can't say anything about that. But um, <laughs> soon, yeah, maybe when FS Labs release the chocolates, I'll do my explain stream. <laughs> soon, make soon, trademark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Soon, soon. We should make an emote like a, a soon emote, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got so, the emote slot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you've flown the Tollis um a little bit. Obviously, I don't imagine. Well, I guess if you liked it more than the labs, you'd fly it more than the labs. But what do you what do you think of it? If you don't mind, <laughs> it's, you've got to uh... wait until we've got before you're going to wait to be to see what we've uh, got for Sam. Will this be a one word answer? Yeah, it's uh, it's depending. Well, I guess it's different coming at it from a from a kind of 
real world pilot than from someone who's just going from the default Airbus in, you know, one of the older Sims. Um, well, truth be told, I actually have only had a go at it on someone else's computer. I haven't actually got it myself. Yeah. Um, and I am reluctant to buy it because there is no need for me to buy it because yeah, ultimately absolutely. for me, streaming is about, you know, uh, when I'm, when I'm, so basically for me, like when I'm flying other airplanes in, in, in the sim, you know, whether it be the A300 or the 737 or whatever, CJ4, mm. which is pretty cool in 2020, for example, um, I'm doing that for fun. I'm doing that, you know, like not because I'm an expert, not because I'm a subject matter expert on those things. I'm doing it for a bit of fun. And, you know, because I'm a, you know, I enjoy simming as well as, you know, kind of sharing like the Airbus knowledge and now Airbus sort of kind of isms. Um, but, for me, the FS Labs is the best thing out there at the moment to do that. So there's no yeah. point for me using, you know, the 320 Neo Mod or um, the the Tolis or the Flight Factor Airbuses because they they're all they're all naff in comparison. You know, no offense to them. Yeah. You know, they all they all have their place, um, and it's great that you know people are developing stuff for the other sims. But for me, you know, if I want to fly an Airbus, you know, unfortunately, P3D is the place to be for the time being. So, I think even all the X-Plane uh, devs there, I know uh, we had a new build them last week and they were like, uh, it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard to convert people from the A320. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is, and... Uh, I think it's one of the, well, it's one of the things that keeps people on P3D, PMTG and FS Labs. And that's it. Sure. And, the, and the Dash um, 8 is actually pretty awesome as well. Yeah, like it's, well... Mm. Yeah, I, I give the Dash 8 too much um, hate, but it's actually, it's a really well-simulated aircraft. I point, it's just I that no one out. knows, well, no yeah. one being me knows how to fly it properly. So if you go into it with That's knowledge it. from an Airbus or a Boeing, then that, you're going to yeah. make I a say, lot of mistakes. This podcast started off me and Tom flying in the Dash 8. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, we did a shared cockpit Dash 8 stream. I, I wish shared cockpit existed in more aircraft in P3D because I think it's... FS Lab so shared fun. cockpit when. Um, but obviously oh. it's not an easy thing to do. But um, Well, actually, yeah. with the dual control, they've just implemented uh, to proper simulation of both control systems. Yeah. In yeah. the FS Labs. I saw that. Oh, if they could implement that. Maybe. Maybe. Well, it's not I easy. Know I know nothing. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. so the, key thing, the key thing is as well, what we wanted to ask is, there's features mm. in Sims that, at the FS Labs, there were things that you notice brand new every day, like you notice things in real aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we were sort of wondering, when does it reach a point where you don't need to care about that? You've just got the model where it needs to be. So, as in, like, what's the priorities for making yeah, it kind of as yeah. real as it gets, almost? Yeah, because um, we hear study level a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, is it really worth them spending it, loads of time developing things that are accurate, but maybe no one? Is my my that thing always goes back about. to the, the light that PMDG always points out that they've modelled, but nobody ever sees because they're always in the flight deck when they take off. Yeah, well, exactly. So you could like, you know, as I said, the model is really important because obviously, you know, mm. we we love we love a nice little model on the outside and all that mm. sort of stuff. But yeah. ultimately, it's the heart. It's the beating heart of the airplane, which is like you know the the avionics, the electronics, the um, you know the indication systems, the alerting yeah. systems. It's the it's the stuff which makes the airplane feel like it's real, you know. And, um, and that's you know, what FS Labs like, do. Yeah, exactly. Like failures and stuff like that. And uh, you know, there's they're still adding to those. You know, some of them. <laughs> if you've watched any of my streams or Katie's streams or other people's streams as well, I'm sure uh, when they've tried doing failures, you know, sometimes they don't go to plan and. 
um, you know, they're always keen to fix them as well. So that's, you know, they do do a good job of fixing uh, any bugs that are that come about. Um, but it's it's you know it, it's the foibles as well. You know, like for example, when you start up the Airbus, for example, you know, you'll have TCAS. There'll be a TCAS fault, which is just part of um, when the airplane's starting up. That will obviously clear after a minute, or, you know, a couple of minutes or so. But it's stuff mm. like that. You know, actually, does it fly like the real thing? I don't think any of the other Airbuses in the Sims actually fly that good or that well. Um, yeah, you know, well, you can definitely feel the difference between, mm. you know, because I've flown a few of them. You, I can feel the difference between them. I, but I, you know, I've never flown the real Airbus, so I don't know which ones. One of them. Best. I'm kind of just taking a... taking your word for it. <laughs> One of them like, has oh, just been updated to, uh, in the last week. It's the fly by wire. Indeed. And they've implemented their new custom fly-by-wire and autopilot system. Now, I don't think Sam's actually had a chance to fly it yet, but what are your thoughts on the fly-by-wire from your previous experience? (laughs) Anyone that knows me knows uh, that I'm open-minded and I'm always keeping an eye out on what what they're getting up to. I do frequently update it and uh, give it a go. But uh, from my last fly of it, it it was still consigned to the hangar. That's all I'll say. It's uh, it's still a work in progress, and they've it's there's a lot of work. You, you're not going to build an Airbus overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day, as they say. Um, yeah, you know, a the, very complex. Um, the rate of progress is airlines. certainly very good, I'd say. Oh yeah, yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, and they've got lots I mean, of people working on different areas, haven't they? So that's yeah. yeah. I think on that as well, like give it time. It's certainly not like easy to develop these things, but it's easy to. It's you know, the first half is always going to be easier than the second half, like. Yeah. You can get halfway, but getting the little things will. But, um... but you know, for for me, tr- just trying to do a normal day out with some other bits and pieces, you know, maybe like trying to do single engine taxi, and um, you know, trying to simulate maybe some of the other sort of like abnormal conditions. Um, you know, I think I think they, if I remember rightly, I think they've only just allowed people to, um, they've, or they've only just sort of um, implemented flap three, like for landing, if I remember rightly. Like yeah. up until that point, you could only do a flat four landing, which was like, oh, that's good. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of flat three landings, but do you know what I mean? It's a it's a certainly a normal way to operate the airplane. So yeah, this is this is something yeah. I I can't remember. But what is the reason we do flat three in the air? That's over flat four. Just a random question. Just... Yeah, it's it's a good question. Uh, it it just depends. So flap three generally is fuel saving. So a lot of low cost airlines will encourage people to do them um for that reason however uh if you would like basically don't if you've got a really long runway and the exit's kind of more towards the end actually you might want a slightly longer run providing it's still safe and stuff like that you know within Mm -hmm. margins and stuff Uh, i probably wouldn't do a flap three landing on anything shorter give or take any other conditions i wouldn't do any on on a runway shorter than two and a half thousand meters so sure yeah um or just under what nine thousand feet maybe um, but if you've got a nice big long runway and the conditions are right, um, there's no reason why you can't do it. Um, yeah, so that's why. An, so yeah. on the fly-by-wire, they have implemented um, the custom fly-by-wire system. They've implemented their custom engine model. They released a really cool video on their channel about that, actually. And well, they, yeah. they made a video about how it was yeah. really accurate to the real-world um, numbers, but... Any yeah. Bill well, thought about this with us last week about how whether it matches the numbers. Well, yeah. you know, it's difficult because you, mm. you know, if they've got the manual, they can match it to the numbers. But if you've not flown the thing, it's going to be hard to to know the the feeling of 
flying the aircraft, you know, unless you've got thousands of hours in the real thing or level D or or whatever. So, yeah, but, uh, I, I remember. I, I can't that. speak for our pilots, of course. Well, I think just the one big thing for me actually, which was really horrific, was the navigation. Uh, like just trying to fly a route in it and trying to change the route. It was just so terrible. <laughs> I, th- I mean, this was obviously this was obviously a few weeks back, so obviously they might have fixed that and, and tweaked it a little mm. bit. Um, and as I said, I- I'm always keen to try it when when the new models come out. Um, always keen yeah. to give it a go and see see uh, what's in- what's improved, what's changed. So uh, yeah. yeah, like I said at the moment, you know, I don't want to be like this, Mister Negative and Mister, um, you know, Mister. I don't want to be discouraging because, like, you know, it's amazing. It's that better than the default, to... I guess. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I, I mean, it's miles. great. Got, you've got this team of people who are actually managing to work together and not fight and actually, you know, I mean, yeah, they, apparently they, one of the big things they've, we've got 80 real world pilots. I'm like, that's great. But you know, I don't think you need 80 real world pilots. To be honest. <laughs> you probably need about five or 10. You don't quite need like, 80 people. That's not going to, just because you've got lot. And that was the unfortunate end of uh, that audio recording. I've been having a few PC issues. Sam and Tom are still here, though. I think we should just go oh. through briefly what the rest of the week has had. Inibuilds have released a development update where they talked about yeah. that. A, they talked about that A310. I think Sam, Sam, you and compared to what you fly real world, the A300 and A310 must be real different experiences, mustn't they? Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Actually, it was quite. A, it was a, basically I always call it a bow bus because it feels like a mix between <laughs> a, uh, like an, an Airbus and a and a sort of seven three seven. But yeah. it's um, it's quite interesting. Like I really like history, so for me, like seeing an A three hundred, you see the history of Airbus. You see the precursor to the three twenty uh, and uh, the early like remnants of ECAM, like before it sort of evolves into what it is now. Um, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You can kind of see where the 320 kind of gets some of its, you know, instrumentation. You can see what's changed, what's still there. It's pretty cool. It's it's pretty cool. Obviously, the, you got the moving thr- throttles or thrust levers. I think are they still got thrust levers in the 300. I don't know. Um, they so, are. I yeah. think they are. Yeah. Yeah. But as, as an Airbus, as a 320 driver flying the 300, it's it's kind of it's quite interesting. It's quirky. Um, I really like it, and I think any builds has done a really good job of. Um, it's one of my favorite add-ons actually for Explain. As well, probably Aer- my favorite, my favorite actually for Explain. Aerosoft have also previewed their Twin Otter, and mm. which looks rather cool. We the obviously- cockerel in the background is very um, happy tonight. By the way, I just thought I, I, I'd let you know. I don't know if you can right. hear it with the headphones. So, so, <laughs> I, so, I found out about who owns this cockerel when I was getting my hair cut, and I was just like, oh my. Always starts whenever I go live. Is it early in the morning as well? No, no, no. It doesn't wake up until I go live. Honestly, <laughs> it is. It How is convenient. It is the worst. Lovely cockerel, I'm sure, but oh. somebody owns it, do they? Yeah, it's like in <laughs> one of the gardens. It's not even that close to my house. It's yeah, mm. but yeah, the A. I'm very excited. Yeah, the twin otter looks really cool. Uh, medium price product. We're obviously yeah. going to have to wait to see more about that, how that goes. Uh-huh. We've also seen um, recently this I'm week. Actually, we've... I was going to say, I've flown the Twin Otter in um, P3D once. Um, it's quite an interesting one. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I yeah, think with cool. MSFS, it'll be uh, 
nice because the water physics are a bit well i don't know how accurate they are but the water in msfs looks nicer than p3d in my in my opinion so it should be fun low and slow aircraft like this i'm always going to be a fan of in the new sim mm, yeah definitely stall, short is it stall isn't it short takeoff or landing yeah so, so actually like, i was out in nepal and i flew on one yeah and the considering before that i'd only flown on a320s or bigger yeah going into a mountain airport that it does sort of uh Make you rather nervous if you've not done it before, but my goodness, it's just so cool. Same time. Uh, yeah, so still early days. I think they said last time it was 2022, but... um. That, I think, no, I think that's the uh, ATR-72. I'm thinking, sorry, I'm thinking, yeah. so I'm thinking of the yeah, wrong one. Um, uh, but we'll see. It looks, um, the modelling looks good, but we will, we will wait to see the inside. Uh, as well, if you're interested in military planes, Big Radials have released uh, P-40B for MSFS. If that's not your thing, though, there's also the Spitfire from Aeroplane Heaven thing. I'm afraid that's not my thing either. Yeah, we need to, we need to launch a Flight Sim Weekly campaign to get Tom into military aviation. Can't wait for that. <laughs> that would be hard, hard, hard pill to swallow. I, I mean, a plane's a plane, but... Well, I've uh, played DCS um, a couple times. I really enjoyed it, um, but I'm rubbish at it. So uh, I guess I've got to invest more time in it to get a bit better. Um, and I don't know any of the military phraseology, but I've been to a few like, um, like I went to Fairford before um, in 2019, before COVID and saw all the displays there, um, and the 747, BA 747 and uh, all that stuff. And that was really exciting. But I think I'm more of a spectator than a doer in the, the military scene. But it looks it looks sweet. Again, same with the uh, the twin otter modeling looks really nice. And um, and I am well cautiously optimistic. Uh, if you did miss it, not that we haven't talked about it a lot in well, uh, crossed the pond took place yesterday. I think it was uh, it was an interesting pop across the pond because it what wasn't it wasn't completely hectic. As a controller, you're used to, especially at Heathrow, you will have Alpha Four. No, it's really quite quiet. But that well, is not in relative terms. In relative terms, across the pond, yes, it, it's interesting. But it's also saying the slots work. Mm. Just seeing where they go from there. And finally, Taxi to Gate have released their Paris Charles de Gaulle uh, scenery or well, update for V435. Uh, it's 15 euros on the market. Or 20... 15 euros to upgrade, that is. 15 euros up to upgrade, version. yeah. And then 26.99 if you're buying it new without tax. Uh, I have some thoughts on this, but uh, technical issues dictate that I do no longer have time to discuss them, which means uh, we will discuss this. In next week's episode. Once again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Flights and Weekly. We're sorry for the slightly haphazard audio recording. Um, and thank you to Sam for joining us because it was uh, really interesting to hear what you had to say on the uh, on the sim and give us those nuggets of knowledge on the real world. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks. 
That's so don't forget, if you haven't already, to follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, Spotify, iTunes. I think there's many others, apparently. I got an email yesterday saying we're the number one flights in podcasts in Mexico, which was... Uh, Way to go. Intriguing. Uh, also, Excellent. on the YouTube channel, I think we're really close to 1,000 subscribers. Um, so we, we will, as a podcast, do something special for that when that happens. Stay tuned for that. But we are only about 25 away. If you haven't already followed the YouTube channel, uh, well, no, it's not followed. It's the only platform where it's not a follow. Subscribe. Uh, it's flightsinweekly.live, and then you can just click the subscribe button below. Flightsinweekly.com, or slash live, I should say. Anyway, from me, Tom, and Sam, thank you so, so very much for listening this week. We shall see you again. Bye. Cheerio. <laughs>